podcast has bad words. <laughs> all right, so we're here with Lisa Ann, and we're talking about all kinds of stuff today. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about letting go of stuff. I mean, that, that's how you first stumbled across The Minimalist was was thanks to our first Netflix film. We got another mm. one coming out uh, January 1st, by the way. I can't wait. Um, and uh, you, you were telling Ryan that, like, you didn't do his packing party thing, but you sort of had, uh, we have a friend named Colin Wright who's in that first film. He's the, the sort of nomadic traveler, uh, the really, really handsome guy. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he did this thing, he, what he called a yard sale room. And it kind of sounds like what you did. He, he's the guy who exposed us to minimalism, by the way. And uh, he, when he decided to get rid of stuff, he just put it, he's a, he kind of did the Ryan thing, but he just put it all in a front room. Smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he t- said, all right, friends, come over. And I want you to take anything out of the room that you want. Just don't show it to me because I'm afraid I'm going to want to hold on to Smart. it. Smart. <laughs> now, you kind of did something like that, but over a two-year period? I did it over two years. I knew I wanted to minimize down 75% was the goal. Woo! I wanted to get out from the trap of owning a home that was a ton of responsibility. Mm. Single woman, no kids. What am I doing all of this? I'd like to live in a simpler situation in shared space mm. and yes. apartment. Yes. Um, and so what I did was I just kind of broke it down in stages and I reached out to friends along the way. And so pretty much everyone I met my entire time living in LA came over to my home in that two year period to take something. Some of it was like, okay, right before I move permanently, you can have the couch because it's going to be like the last thing to go. Mm-hmm. Some of it was like reserve items, but a lot of it <laughs> Little was- sticky notes on items yeah, all yeah, over that. This will be my- <laughs> Sold. A lot of it was gowns, clothes, mm. um, books. You know, I love to read and I was holding on to books and I was like, why am I holding on to books? Like mm. this stuff is heavy to move. Um, gear, uh, ski gear, you know, spin bike, like all of these just things. And it was such a great way to connect with people. And it was also a great way to share things that I already felt guilt that I spent the money on that I was no longer using or needed. I didn't really want to go through the hassle of selling stuff and having randos coming over to my house. So I got to visit with everyone over this two year period. And the last 60 days was like intense because it was like, Everybody that claimed something in the beginning uh, that I wasn't ready to get rid of, my couch, my coffee table, my TV stand, they all came over in the final hour. So like the last, I went from my house being fully livable and then like the last two weeks, it was just like everything was just gone. And I didn't have to move any (laughs) furniture. I did take great photos and I wrote, I did a a five part series for my YouTube on all of it and I stood by what remained my boxes. Oh wow, that's awesome. Let's put a a link to that in the the show notes, Sean, so people can check that out. Okay, it's the real Lisa Ann at YouTube. Um, And I I stood by these boxes because I realized, wow, I can't believe I've minimized my life to this stuff. Yeah. It was just so freeing. And also, you know, the biggest change, there's so many things that have changed about me from watching your first documentary and then Mm. reading. Mm. But it really is about those two years of getting ready thing. That was also two years of not buying new things. That was two years of simplifying, like, I don't check bags anymore when I travel. Isn't that so nice? Because everything fits in a carry-on. And if I really need it, you can run to a CVS anywhere and pick up more toothpaste. And you almost never have to. You never have to. It's the most freeing feeling in the world to get on an airplane and not have to check a a bag. And now do you want people tripling through your stuff in the back? You don't know who's touching your stuff. No, (laughs) want everything with me. (laughs) It makes you think about purchases, like... 
when you're tra- traveling, you know that everything you wear is going to go with your one pair of sneakers that mm-hmm. you brought. You're yeah. not going to start packing dress shoes as well and then other outfits that you need dress shoes. Right. Why would you do that? Right. So it's about training yourself to not purchase. And then you realize how your wealth starts to build differently because you're not purchasing. Financially, mm-hmm. your money just continues to add up because yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, so before we started recording, we were talking about how people are kind of sarcastically during the pandemic being like, so how's that minimalist stuff working out for you? Yeah, I bet you guys are really upset you got rid of all your stuff and now there's a pandemic. <laughs> right. And and my response to that is like, well, yeah, I don't really miss the broken waffle maker or whatever. Yeah. Like the things that I wasn't using what makes you think I'm going to start using them during a pandemic, yeah. right? I, I agreed. My kitchen items, I was very smart about it. For six months, I really noted everything that I use on a regular basis. Mm. I use my Nutribullet. Yeah. I use my Instapot. I use my coffee pot. And no one's telling you that you should get rid of those, no, right? No, so I didn't. Right, you know, yeah. But I don't use a toaster because I don't really make toast at home. Yeah. So yeah. I realized, okay, I can get rid of the toaster. Oh, I use this Instapot. I don't use my Crock-Pot anymore. Like You just have to be aware of what you're using. Yeah. And I found that the pandemic was way easier for me being in a smaller space mm. where my washer and dryer is, you know, I'm in a, a thousand square foot apartment now. I'm not climbing four flights of stairs to go down to my laundry uh, room. Mm. You procrastinate doing laundry <laughs> so much. So the simplifying kind of freed me to say, I'm going to take a book to the park for the afternoon and just sit outside and read. Mm. So it freed me even more during the pandemic. I kept thanking you both <laughs> during the pandemic going, I'm so glad this happened now and not when I had all this stuff that I didn't need in my way. Yes. You open your kitchen cabinets, what you need is there, not yeah. everything stacked on what you don't need. Uh. So it's not about getting rid of things that you're missing. You're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not missing it. You're not going back to the broken waffle maker. Yeah. But it just simplified my life. And also I felt I wasn't missing out. I, you don't have as much FOMO mm-hmm. when you stop needing things to make you happy. You realize, okay, I'm going to schedule my FaceTimes with my friends for the week because we've been really good about that during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We'd all get on and chat, you know, and see each other. Um, but when you don't have as many things you needed to satisfy you and your life becomes as simple it's not as traumatic i've never thought about it that way when it comes to fomo you're right like when you start to let go of these impulses and these yeah these 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 compulsive uh behaviors you don't yeah you don't have as much fomo for sure i've never linked those two together that's that's really good time so there was a time where I would drive by, like I used to love to go into Nordstrom Rack or Off uh, Fifth. There are all these little stores. And when I stopped doing that, now the two-year mark of getting rid of things was also the conscious effort of no, no, no more bringing things in. Yeah. And I would drive by those stores when I was here and I'd giggle because I'd be like, remember when you couldn't help but get lost in there for three hours, yeah. buying mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff you don't need because you're in that moment. And now I don't even walk in those stores, just nothing I need. Yeah. So I remember some of my friends complaining like, oh, I can't go to the mall during uh-huh. the pandemic. Uh-huh. I'm like, really? The you mall? Really that? <laughs> I haven't been to a mall in three years. If you, can't, if you can't get a shirt on Amazon, like, do you really need it? Like, yeah. you know, but oh. I realized that for people that need those purchases, buying new things, they really did miss that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I already broke that habit. Yeah. Yeah. And habit is a great way to put it. You know, we were talking about addictions today. And, and also, we're going to dive into the morality of pleasure, but it just becomes a habit. And we then feel like, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to the mall and shop and yeah ryan and i used to manage some retail stores and and a lot of them were in malls and i almost have a phobia of malls now because Mm. i 
it 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 seems so overwhelming, but it's it's set up that way to to stimulate and seduce, but it can never it can never actually deliver the promise, right? The the promise of contentment or happiness or joy. You get some pleasure out of maybe the going through the checkout line buying the thing, but it doesn't really de- it doesn't deliver that long term satisfaction. Not at all. And you almost buy something that you don't like because you're trapped in this mall and you've been walking around forever. And if you don't find something you love, you buy something anyway because you went to the mall with a purpose to walk out with a bag. You have to justify it. Yes. It's the strangest thing, right? But you got to have that bag. And now I see people with tons of bags and I just think, wow, I'm so glad I'm past that part of my life. Yeah. We've got this segment called More About Less where we read a little bit of an article to... Basically, have a discussion. We'll jump off point for a discussion here. I've got two, and I don't know which one to go with first, but let's just, uh, we'll talk about this. Let's go with this one's from the BBC. And uh, it's about a uh, Nicole Prowse, CEO of brain research company Libros, and a former researcher at UCLA, says that porn shouldn't be lumped in with drug and alcohol addiction says it should be or should not not be be. in the case of porn addiction is a quote in the case of porn addictions the brain looks similar to other addictions but only up to a point and then it diverges when you look at porn you get increases in learning and reward but you don't see some of the other hallmarks she told bbc in other addictions such as gambling when you see a cue for people to For people who have a problem, the brain is more responsive. In the case of porn, with people who say they have problems, their responsiveness is decreased. Now, there's another article I have here in Psychology Today, and it says, Science stopped believing in porn addiction. You should, too. However, here's the... Well, here, I bet that, ad, that was paid for by Pornhub for sure. <laughs> could, could be. They hired the writer that right? put that article out. There's Brought no you doubt in my, not in my mind. Now, here, here's the thing. Because I, I do believe that porn can be a problem. Now, whether or not it fits the the DSMR definition of addiction, sure. that doesn't matter as much to me. If you have a problem with something, you have a problem with something. Fast food yeah. can be a problem. Absolutely. Right. A- yeah. a- a- stuff is obviously a problem. It's yep. what Ryan and I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, this article goes on to basically talk about, let's see if I can find the quote here. Uh, now researchers have put a nail in the coffin of porn addiction. Josh Grubb, Sam Perry, and Joshua Wilt are some of the leading researchers of America's, of America's struggles with porn. And they have published numerous studies examining the impact of porn use, belief in porn addiction, and the effect of porn on marriages. I do want to save that because porn on marriages, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I'd like to expand on how that uh, can be really detrimental to marriages. Yes. Uh, and Roy Reed is a UCLA professor who was a leading proponent gathering information on the concept of hypersexual disorder for the DSM-5. These four researchers, all of whom have a history of neutrality, if not outright support of the concepts of porn addiction, have concluded, have conducted a meta-analysis of research on pornography that concluded that porn use does not predict problems with porn, but that religiosity does. Mm. And I find this with Ryan, because Ryan grew up very, very religious, yeah. staunchly yeah. religious, yeah. And, and was even religious in his, his 20s to, to a certain extent. You know, the echoes of that were, were still there. I mean, the echoes are probably still there today. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, That's how you were raised. Yeah. Right. And, and so these beliefs were thrust upon you for a long period of time. And 
again, Ryan and I aren't, aren't anti-religion. We have different beliefs, but uh, just later this week, we have a Buddhist coming on to the podcast. Oh, awesome. And so like we, we have all different people, atheists, Buddhists, Christians, uh, Jews, Muslims, whatever. It, we're, we're open to different belief systems. And, but what we're seeing here, let's take out that word religiosity and maybe just replace it with dogma. Because there's mm. a certain dogma that says porn bad, sexuality bad, um, pleasure is bad. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a puritanical culture, it's, it's almost though, as though anything pleasurable has become a negative in a way. Mm. And I'm not, I don't think pleasure is the absolute pursuit but I'm also not against pleasure as well. I think where we go wrong, and this is where I will agree with the Puritans, if we're pursuing only pleasure all the time, I think hedonism does not work in terms of living a meaningful life. But I also think a life without pleasure is a pretty dull life. Yeah, Mm. I mean, it's part of connecting with ourselves and connecting with someone else. Pleasure Mm -hmm. is so important. It's the instant gratification with no effort that porn provides Mm. that takes away from how you get to that mm. pleasure on your own or with someone else. Yeah. Um, it, it is instant and it's confusing. I do think my goal when I ask people, when I start to interview them first, is how many hours a day do you watch porn? Okay, oh. if you watch anything more than an hour a day, then I think we should discuss it's a problem. It would be like if I made sure I eat fast food every single day or if I drank alcohol every day, eventually you have to think it's a problem. The younger generation watches at least one hour a day. Are you serious? Wow. Because it's on their phone. And yeah. listen, they're not into oh, TV wow. or reality shows or they're not even in, as into sports. You know, wow. sports are fearful that they're losing the younger generation because there's no gratification unless you're sports betting or playing fantasy sports. There's no lean-in for you, so what's the point? Yeah. There's a bitterness of how much money the athletes make, how much the sports draws, and there's a lot of commercials. Young people are into that. Mm-hmm. They watch everything on an app on their phone, so an hour a day is very common. Wow. That's so, so much. That seems staggering to me. Is it a problem? It's screen time. Mm. When you watch the documentary, it's screen time. Whether you're mm. looking at Twitter, or Facebook, or porn, it's screen time. Yeah. How much break do you give yourself from walking away? Uh-huh. You know, I kind of have a three-hour limit on my computer where once I'm on for three hours, I know I have to take 20 minutes, no phone, no nothing. Usually it's music on earpods and get outside. Yeah. Sit on a patio for 20 minutes, breathe in some fresh air, cleanse that. that. This, it's everyone kind of pointing it to, well, we're not addressing porn in school and sex education. We give a very vague sex education. It's like, don't get an STD and don't get pregnant. That's kind of what we're telling you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an ovary. We're not even a cow. (laughs) And are we supposed to be so barbaric to think the only reason people would have sex is to reproduce? Because that's not realistic either. Right. There has to be levels of intimacy even before sex. Like, how many times years ago did you actually go on a date with somebody before you actually had sex was way different than now. Yeah. 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 I mean, we made out for like two weeks, right? And then maybe you let the guy t- touch in your shirt. Right. I mean, it was really, yeah. that's not the way we're looking at it now. Mm. That's from porn because it goes right mm. from point A to point B. We're not teaching intimacy, yeah. Yeah. and in- intimacy with someone else is important, but intimacy with yourself is what people think they're getting from porn because they're pleasuring themselves. But really, it's the stimulus in the brain mm-hmm. that's taking them to that next level, and it's kind of making them feel jaded for anything that's less intense. Yeah. What do you think about this statement? Uh, pleasure is okay mm-hmm. until it turns into someone else's pain or e- even maybe your own pain. 
Yeah, I think it often dr- is y- yeah. your own. Well, and, but there's there, there's something weird about that as well because um, some people are turned on by pain, for sure, <laughs> right? But also, like pain is perspectival in a way. If you hit the gym really hard and you're sore in your legs the next day, yeah, it feels great. Mm. It feels great because. Feels great. But if you woke up with that soreness and you weren't sure why you had it. You're going to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, you're calling someone. You're on WebMD, of course. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> while you're on the toilet, the worst, you're on WebMD. Like, the whoa. worst thing to do is Google well, your symptoms. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess what I'm trying I'm trying to f- help people find a balance here with pornography specifically. Like, yes, like you said, like life without pleasure would be horrible. Pleasure is great until it gets in the way of your happiness. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Tweet that. Yeah, that's great. That's absolutely great. Well, let's let's talk about. One thing that's pleasurable, I know we wanted to get to talking about kinks because this is something that I think, this may be the mm. chicken and egg problem here, right? Because I think kinks always existed well before pornography, although yeah. you could argue mm-hmm. that pornography is several thousand years old, but that's a, a different argument. Mm. Modern pornography, there were certainly kinks before then, but it's also amplified the number of kinks that we see. You were talking about you know, search categories. Keywords. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... so I find that um, sometimes we have our own kinks, and I think, Ryan, you were going to talk about an article with respect yeah. to this, but I think sometimes the porn that we watch maybe dictates a, oh, I guess I should have this this kink, and I don't want to kink shame. I, uh, no. what, what, what I want to bring to the forefront here is the idea that like we all have our own sort of sandboxes that we like yeah. to play in, right? Sure. Well, so, uh, let's talk about this. Yeah, I, uh, so the article that I read it was basically calling out how many different tags there are now. Yeah. And when you look at the 90s, it wasn't like that. It was no. it was very straightforward. Sure. So the whole reasoning behind the tags, they were uh, implying that when you have such easy access to pornography, um, your brain starts to get used to scene after scene after scene after scene after scene. And then you'll see something a little bit different. And your brain's like, oh, that's new. Like natural boobs. Yeah, exa- exactly. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I'm getting turned on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of high libido. Speaking of high libido. Right. You know, it, no, no, that's exactly right though. Yeah. And then so so you go to that new thing that you happen to just stumble across. And then your brain's like, well, now I need something else. So then you, it's, it's kind of like uh, they say marijuana is like the gateway, the gateway. drug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very similar thing where like, you know, soft core porn is this gateway. And if you let it get out of control, you can have all these crazy kinks. But the, the whole article is basically saying that the reason why we have these kinks is because we get sex becomes boring at a certain point and we need to like do something else. But unfortunately, you know, we go down this crazy, you know, rabbit hole of like, I don't even know. Like, there's some crazy. We don't have to talk about the crazy genres, there's but crazy. you can just imagine. But, yeah, but some people. Well, my crazy might be different from yours, right? Like, yeah. Like, uh, Bex and I might be into choking, and like that's a thing for for other people. That's like, oh, we can't even. Yeah, you know, I, I can't even talk to someone about. So that, did right? you? Yeah, I guess the question though, and I'm not. I'm not trying to shame at all, but with choking, the question is, well, it was a chick, it's chicken or the egg thing. Like, uh-huh. do you have sex with your partner, and you're like, oh man, you know what? I think. I think I'd like to try and choke you or is it something you saw and you're like, oh, I want to do that in the bedroom. Sure. And I guess there's not really a wrong answer here, like if how you came about it. Yeah. But, uh, well, but I think, yeah. I, I think what's important and, and Lisa Ann talked about this earlier, uh, we should, we should, 
probably be communicating these. That's not something you would do on the on a first date, right? You don't <laughs> start choking someone on the first date. These but are things, it does happen now. So I'm you know. saying you should, yeah, oh, we, we shouldn't yeah. go that it does route. Yeah. That's why the Gen Xers are having less sex than ever because right. the guy oh. chokes the girl in her first time, and the girl doesn't have sex with guys for like ten years. Yeah, yeah that it, wow. and that that's awful. And and by the way, the guy was pro in many cases was probably just trying to do something. Be, that he get her yell as loud as the girl did in the porno. Right. So into it. Yeah, she's I, getting I paid a great deal that. of money to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say wow. I was very lucky to get in, come from Pennsylvania out here to get in the business. Uh-huh. And I can remember one of the first things uh, uh, an agent said to me was, you know, you go to the magazine stand. Remember, we have all these newsstands in LA. Yep. And back then, the adult magazines were not labeled, put in plastic, anything. You could actually stand there and read them. Mm. So you'd slide <laughs> the guy five bucks. And back then, it was like I was learning about, remember my first fetishes I learned about foot fetish mm-hmm. pantyhose fetish mm. panties fetish because remember I'm easing into this uh-huh. before bondage and, and a lot of this stuff was very mild then I and I so going one at a time I started shooting foot fetish videos mm-hmm. and magazines and I realized oh it's adorable like some guys just like really nice feet mm-hmm. then I realized like okay pantyhose then I remember going on my first bondage set and understanding that that pain was pleasure to someone. Mm. And that was a level they needed to get. Now, maybe it wasn't sexual at all. Maybe there was no penetration because in the 90s, you couldn't shoot someone bound and have sex with them. That was against the law. They had to be in fully control. Mm. Um, So they would just do flogging or whatever. So I got to have like this first hand of like, what do I like? What don't I like? And I realized I really don't associate pain with pleasure for me, right? I'm Mm. not into being tied up or what have you, right? But I catered to flattering every single kind of kink to understand them to see the difference in people Mm. and some of the most mild people i met in the industry were into the most intense graphic rough bruising Uh rough sex and then like if you had a burger with them afterwards they were just lovely lovely people and so it opened me up to saying like your kink, your accelerator, your extra chocolate syrup on your mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. is totally okay as long as you find a partner that you can communicate with and say, this is something that I really enjoy. Um, and maybe you'll meet somebody that enjoys it as well. It's not something right. you should continue, though, to drive for as a single person in a relationship because yeah. it can divide you because it is something that makes you tick. Uh-huh. You know, a true kink really makes someone tick. Don't hide it. Yeah. But yeah. Now these kinks take on different, and also kinks can evolve with a person. You know, you could be mm-hmm. in a relationship and maybe you like having sex with somebody else together, but maybe you didn't like that in another relationship. Right? Kinks can evolve with that connection that you have with that person that maybe takes you to a different level. Yeah. Um, kinks should be explored. Porn is a great way to explore kinks. You mm-hmm. might just say to each other, that's weird. Okay, cool, pass. Yeah. Let's move on, right? Yeah. But if a guy has a pantyhose fetish, you put on thigh-high stockings in a garter and he's thrilled and it's such a simple little thing, but believe it or not, it's still one of the most popular fetishes is thigh high stockings with oh, wow. garter belts yeah hmm. i think the key of what you're talking about here so sexy yeah is comfort <laughs> right and, and i think that's the nice thing about having a, a for me at least having a long-term partner where we're able we're very comfortable with each, with each other we trust each other yes. that i don't think you could explore sexuality the same way with someone that you didn't completely trust or you don't feel 100% comfortable with mm. all of a sudden you, you you're you're not you're not willing to be as vulnerable in a way and, and so i find that by being with someone with whom i can be vulnerable we share a sort of vulnerability at the same time we're able to 
extend the bounds of our, our comfort zone in a way. And I think some of that comes out as what we might call kinks or, or you might just call it exploration. I think sometimes if you see something or you, you and I'm really careful not to ever judge, right? Like you if, should never judge when it, when it comes to people's kinks or sexual desires. No. Never judge. Yeah, no. and even though, like, hey, that might not be my thing, but if you're my partner and as long, I still want to be GGG or I want to be good giving and game. Yeah. I'm game for just about anything. I mean, if yeah. you want to cut my head off and put it in a vent or something, I'm probably going to say no to that. <laughs> we'll probably lean back on that. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't have to agree on that. I, right. I don't mean the kink shame, but uh, no. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. You know what's what's fascinating about um, all of this is we can we can talk about these topics. To me, there this shouldn't be as tab taboo a topic as it is. You talked about in Europe where um, sexual sexuality tends to be a little bit more open, more yeah. free. Um, we're not terrified of showing a nipple. Yeah. Well, actually, in America, we can show nipples as long as it's male nipples. Right. We're, we're totally fine. Right. Um, but you know, if it's a woman's nipple, then you know you should say Have a prayer. Yeah. And, and and it's too bad there's not more counselors that work with couples because I've recommended many of my friends that were couples to start seeing a counselor to work on their sex life. Yeah. And where I find they get to a point is even the therapist isn't graphic enough for them. Like mm. she's not sexually open enough, or he's not sexually open enough. Mm. There could just be this neutral party that they communicate with, and the when I send them is normally when they're they've hit a rut. Mm. If it's like two, three months, just go and talk to somebody to see what else is going on that is cluttering the way for you to not be able to move past it and be reconnected with each other. Yeah. Because it's so important. You can get past that. God, whether it's going to be, I always, I recommend hotel sex a lot. Like mm. if you've been staying home too much, just get a cool hotel room, order some rooms, have a hotel sex, you yeah, know, yeah. little getting out of your element. But kinks are something that I think people are so afraid because they feel like once they've, open Pandora's box. What if the look of judgment comes on that person's face mm. that they're in love with? Yeah. There's no reeling back out of that and now they feel like they failed this relationship because this person's looking at them that way. Yeah, yeah just realize that if there is judgment in the relationship, judgment is always a, a mirror of insecurity. So yeah. like, if I'm judging Ryan, I can't believe you'd wear your hair long like that. <laughs> uh, what I'm really saying is like, there's something in my own psyche that ha has a problem with, with long hair. Yeah, 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 in your small bag, you still carry your own hair dryer because right. you do not trust hotel hair dryers. It's <laughs> the so one true. thing I pulled out of your, I'm like, he's, but he still gets to have the one thing he wants, his own hair dryer. Maybe he's so happy I didn't have to give up everything. <laughs> Great. So true. I get hair annoyed. What can I say? Yes. Uh, yeah. And so when I'm judging someone, we have to be really careful not to, especially with the people we love the most, because what you're doing is you're shutting down their preferences. If you want them to be open with you, if you want them to trust you, yeah. the worst thing that you can do with someone you love is saying, can't believe you're doing that. Or you're into that mm. or oh that's so gross like, whatever it is like all of a sudden it's like oh well now you've completely lost my, my trust i'm going to close down mm -hmm. and now we're all of a sudden we're, we're building up this this barrier between us and that is a hard barrier to to take down that that barrier of of judgment so yeah. i find that 
the reason that we often don't explore in relationships is because, as you, as you said, there's maybe the guilt or shame initially, but then it's like, well, I don't want them to think a certain way about me. And the, then opposite, we may be thinking the same exact thing in our relationship, but I really wish she'd do this. I really wish she'd do that. But like, we're not even willing to talk about it because we're afraid of that judgment of the other person. And maybe that's where sometimes porn can be a, a great help mm-hmm. because yeah. you can be watching something together and have an open discussion. Mm-hmm. You can tell by the blood flow, the circulation, mm-hmm. how you're interacting, whether you like something, you don't like something. You can explore those kind of kinks on like a passage of like, let's take this drive down here and see how we both feel about it together. Yeah. And, and watch that kind of unfold. Yeah. One thing that helps me and Bex out in our relationship is we spend a lot of time apart. Um, and so it's almost like there's, if we were apart for a week, let's say, there's almost a rekindling in a way where it's like, oh my God, I missed you so much. And like that chemistry comes back. Whereas if you're spending 24 hours with someone, that often is a good way to kill the relationship yeah. because you no longer have the you in the relationship it's just us all the time mm. and i think when there's not enough space for the individuality it's a problem now when we're apart uh, one thing that we do one way that we use porn very effectively for us um we still have like tumblr accounts and they still share a ton of porn ton on of tumblr porn. that's why <laughs> yeah. they got rid of tumblr yeah. pretty much was because it was all porn yeah, yeah. Now, now here's the thing like <laughs> the, so the weird thing is it's 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 illegal for not illegal it's against their terms of service rather uh so they don't allow allow porn on tumblr it's still everywhere (laughs) it's it's all porn um you just have to know where to find it and so when bex and i are apart we'll just send like different gifts to each other so cute yeah i'm sure i've sent a lisa ann gift to bex more than once (laughs) (laughs) and 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 like what it is kind of saying in a way is like hey i think i'd be into this or Mm. hey maybe we should try this it allows us to communicate in images um rather succinctly when we're not together but it hey, I know she's thinking about this or I'm thinking about this. Now, I try not to do it. We don't want to get uh, gratuitous. I'm just sending you images all day. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't lead with the dick pic. Like it's, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, at least you should. You don't? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan does. Yeah, I, have a, I have a phone full no, of Ryan's dick don't. pics. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and, and so I think that um, what it allows us to do is it gives us the, it gives us that space when we're apart to even explore our interests and allude toward, hey, when I see you again, Mm -hmm. this is something that I'm interested in trying. You have a great amount of trust with each other and a great connection with each other to share these things and a very healthy sexual relationship with each other. This is something that most people are striving for that you have. Mm. And these little things work really well for the two of you. It's absolutely beautiful, right? Don't you see it as like, this is great. You have this really fun, lighthearted way to communicate, but it's still sassy and sexy and it gives you something to look forward to and you're missing each other. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. It's great. No, no, I I totally agree with the, yeah, like sending a GIF or like, hey, check out this video. I would love to like, if you're open to it, I'd love to try this. Dick pics, let's go back to dick pics for a second. Okay. How in the world, like I have never thought to myself, man, I am going to like show this awesome package to this female for the first time, the first interaction. Well, and, I, and, and a piece of me thinks like how rude it is. And then another piece of me is like, well, at least the man is being up front with like, here's where I'm at right now. <laughs> and either you're going to be responsive to this or, or you're not. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's the whole dick pic uh, generation is it's really 
Well, it's, it's not this generation. So, you know, the, the camera was first invented. The oh. first thing that we did was start taking pictures of our junk. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the, right. I mean, it, literally, 1800s, there are photos. It, right. it was like, all right, take a picture of my kid. Dad Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'd like to see that in a different angle. I want to hold it up, hold it upside down. I don't get to look at it in the mirror. Dude, yeah. I worked at a grocery store uh, that had like, uh, you know. Film you, developing? Yeah, oh. and they had the craziest <laughs> Freaking experience because they have to thumb through everything to make sure it developed. Uh -huh. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And, and the the funny thing we used to play a game. I can talk about this now, but um, probably past the statute of limitations. Oh um, well, Ryan and I uh, managed a bunch of telecom stores, so wireless phones and stuff. And so people come in, my phone's broken. Oh yeah. And sometimes we had employees that would just take the phone, go on the back, and just start going through the camera roll. Now this is before smartphones even, but like you, you remember the the phones when they first got cameras on them? It was like the worst grainy. Yeah. You couldn't even tell what it is. I don't know if that's a dick or a the hat. The flip phone that <laughs> yeah. opened up. It took the weird photo, but still it was a photo. Right. And, yeah. and and so like as soon as cameras went on phones, that. They were just full of yeah. dick pics. Now, way more. There's way more dicks on phones than there are any other body part. I think because women yeah. will take a photo, send it to the person, then delete it from their phone because right. they're so afraid to lose their phone and somebody see that photo. Right. Mm. Guys aren't as afraid. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who has interest in my junk? Like it's in the phone. You know? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, there, there are stories of uh, like guys being on the train in New York and they're just sending anyone who has their open airdrop. It's oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Airdropping. Oh yeah. my god. I've been, I've been on the receiving end of that in public oh. venues before. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. I believe wow. that now. Now, Ryan, I think to answer your question, what happens here is uh, men start thinking that women are thinking like them, right? And so it's like you, you the first thing that you want is like, oh yeah, of course I want you to to send me a naked picture, right? Right. And so uh, she must also want that as well. <laughs> oh. I'll instigate it. I'll send the first naked picture. Right. Yeah. Now it's not to say that women don't want to get naked pictures it just means that sometimes the the sequence the 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 sequence of events is out of place oh yeah i have um had of course i get more dick pics than the average person right. i have an email that's open ask lisa ann at gmail which helps me for my podcast and i get of course you know i call oh them paper clips because i don't always want to open oh so i just say oh, i got 100 paper clips today oh my there's God. an attachment i'm assuming they're dick pics um, oh my god <laughs> I when I do open them I get wrapped up you know I get that forensic photography thing going like why didn't the guy clean the room behind him why is there that receptacle there could he have angled so it why is he over the toilet like I get wrapped up in that women are just not enticed by that mm. now if I was a guy sending a random girl a dick pic mm -hmm. I would go on the internet and get a good lit good looking <laughs> right dick pic. you yeah. know what I mean right. I'm probably never gonna meet the girl anyway I'm right. gonna send a good one I'm not sending this one right oh my god so you know manscape it do whatever you got to do to it like clean it up but women aren't as like women that i speak to are more turned on by a sweet message mm, like mm -hmm. a video message mm. we love when our dude sends a message just says hey i hope you're having a great day today that's like a panty dropper mm. you know and sends you that little 15 second like it's a personal cameo right you're like so yeah. excited oh wow um women are more our minds work that way where we're looking for something more intimate that intimacy opens us up and then maybe when we get out of the shower we will take the naked photo and send it oh wow still does not mean though that we're looking for right. the dick pic in return no yeah. oh, we would take another nice message or nothing yeah. and by the way I, my, my rule yeah. is never send a dick pic unless it's explicitly asked for oh yeah not request hinted only. at request yeah only. exactly yes. and, yeah. And, and I think that um, I heard John Mayer talk about this once uh, and it it removed my sort of um, trepidation around this. He, he was like, yeah, 
I'm I'm not pretending to be someone I'm I'm not. So like if you found John Mayer's phone and there happened to be a few naked pictures on there, you're probably not going to be that surprised, mm-hmm. right? And I think the same is true with me. Like I have private information on my phone that I don't want you to see, but if for some reason you found you stumbled across the fo- the phone and I had a naked picture on there, Okay, like, well, I'm not ashamed of that. Sure. Right. Why, why should anyone be ashamed yeah. of that? Right. Because, well, the only reason they'd be ashamed of it is, you know, I often see the people who are like extremely moralizing. It's, it's overcompensating for, you know, the, the their own sort of demons or whatever. Right. They they think that porn is really bad, so now they're like picketing against the AVN awards or something. Sure. Mm. And you're like, well, that's actually telling me a lot more about your preferences and, and and your own desires than it is about the the morality of the porn industry. Yeah. Now we're in an absolute interesting place with the pandemic because a lot of outlets that used to be able to facilitate everyone's little things, let's talk about strip clubs. The mm. fact that they're closed oh, and there yeah. were tons of men that would go in there as opposed to going home to having sex with their wife because they were dealing with their own things. Now, where are they going to release? Mm. What are they doing to get out that thing that they couldn't talk about at home? Um, Usually they would say they were at a work meeting or they were working late. Like, you know, there were some clubs where the wives would call the landline, you know, and ask the manager to like make an announcement to find the (laughs) husband. You know what I mean? The managers never did it, but it was, we would make us laugh because you're like, okay, but where are they going? What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hmm. That's an interesting thing to me because there's hundreds upon hundreds of clubs in every state. And there were thousands of guys a night going into them. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering like, what are they doing? doing? Has this helped their sex life? Mm -hmm. Have they finally realized like, I have a woman at home and I should be, maybe we should watch porn together or what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what's happening is quite often, I mean, I've even heard, heard this in relationships that people think, well, watching porn is cheating. Hmm. And I can actually I can sympathize with that. I hear that a lot too. To, mm. to a certain extent, I what I think what the person is saying is I, um, I feel like we're not communicating. Right. And mm. because we're not communicating, anything that you're doing sort of behind my back is I, I consider to be an indiscretion, or you're treading on our relationship in a way. Yeah. But porn isn't inherently cheating in fact you know bex and i will we'll talk about this like you have to define what cheating is in a relationship yes. it's going to be yeah. really hard it's a great point bex and i don't have an open relationship we have an open-minded relationship and i i, I make a, a distinction here like if she were to call me today and say hey josh i met this guy i really want to sleep with him um i said okay let's talk about it and like there's not going to be judgment from me because um as soon as i throw up a barrier then all of a sudden it's like well okay i've 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 distanced myself enough that you're probably just going to do whatever you want to do anyway you're just going to hide it from me instead of discussing what brought this on what are you missing is this something that's going to make us better is this something for yourself Mm -hmm. such a long list of questions you have to dig into before you block it off Yeah. yeah but the porn and cheating thing is interesting um there was a show years ago um, the league about fantasy football. You know oh yes, yeah. So yeah. she would only let her husband work out if he uh, masturbate to porn if he was working out or in the shower, <laughs> and that was her thing. So he'd run on the treadmill, like he had all these little rules, but she didn't what? care that he was watching. But she wanted him to work out, right? And he would put his phone in his Ziploc baggie in the shower <laughs> so it wouldn't get wet, and then she'd have to clean up after him. So like, but the thing I loved about it was a healthy thing that she knew he watched it. Uh-huh. She didn't see it as cheating. Uh-huh. It was just maybe he wanted it more than she did. They had mm. kids, what have you. 
but it is cheating when you're using it to satisfy yourself and you're alienating your partner mm. from that sexual interaction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. When you're just doing it behind someone's back to get off and then you're not worried about how's she getting off. Mm-hmm. You know, if you both yeah. say, hey, sometimes I want to watch porn, you'll go and do your thing. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Discuss it. One, one rule One rule that uh, Bex and I have in our relationship that works really well for us is like, yeah, we have a, roughly the same libido, but it doesn't mean... We're always horny at the same time. Of course, not in sync all the time. And so the the thing will say like, hey, if I'm not horny tonight, I promise I'll still take care of you. Right. <laughs> and, and vice versa, yeah. right? And I find 100%. this one, Bex's libido might actually be slightly higher than mine because I find that like w- with me, it's uh, I'm taking care of her slightly more than she's taking care of me. But like, it's just a, it's a conversation that we have. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it, she'll even ask, hey, you feeling horny tonight? And I'm like, uh, not really, but... Uh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Great. Then let's. Yeah. Let's do this. We we mm-hmm. have a way to to take care of without even having to. Um, yeah. There are plenty of ways to have sex that don't require you, PIV sex yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, uh, when we think about when we think about those those ways that we can take care of the people that we care about, um, sometimes porn actually gets in the way of that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so. It, when it creates a barrier, not a enhancement of the relationship, mm-hmm. then I think we need to probably step back and say, hey, is, is this a problem? And it might mean removing it for a period of time to reintroduce it if it's appropriate to reintroduce into the relationship. Yeah. So I've had some of my friends start to pay for porn. Uh, you know, porn is accessible, it's free. I'm not saying I agree with it being free, but it <laughs> sure. is free, mm-hmm. so you can get it. But when they have it's to have a membership. It's though, right? Because there's advertisements everywhere. There are. Yeah. So if you want to join, you know, a site where you get to download and you're, you have a minutes card, mm. I feel that they regulate it better by knowing they prepay their minutes. They'll buy oh, like a $100 card. Okay. And then they have their kind of you know their purpose and they go in and they watch they love that you can like stop a scene three minutes in because you didn't like it and go to a new one you don't lose a minute mm-hmm. but it helps them regulate how much time they're actually spending watching it mm-hmm. there's also an effort that has to be made paying for it mm-hmm. there's actually watching the card how many minutes are on it mm-hmm. being aware right it's yeah. just yeah. this access and this overwhelming amount of the access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're creating a little bit of friction yeah. to help you regulate it yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. That's a great idea. And, ag- I, uh, and a thought. And it's not about that I'm asking everyone to pay for their porn. It would be great if they did. But right. I'm saying this is a way for you to actually log because if it's Tuesday and you've gone through your 100 minutes already that you bought for the week, then maybe you'll stop yourself and say, maybe maybe I should put this uh, off till next week and not buy another card right yeah, now. Like right. it'll stop you. Yeah. Anything you do excessively, when it hits you financially, we're all smart enough to say, mm, what am I doing wrong here? How am yeah. I not budgeting this better? I know, That's a great point. I know some people who don't watch porn at all and will likely never have. Or, I mean, they've obviously stumbled across it. It's virtually impossible not to at this point. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's that... And by the way, I'm not recommending they start watching porn necessarily. I'm not recommending they don't either. Right. Um, but do you think it's that that has something to do with... they? They just don't enjoy it, or is it that that they've been told it's not something they're it's or something they're not supposed to do? I think it's a lot of their it's something they're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably hung up a little bit sexually and they feel guilty watching it. Yeah. I think maybe they're not as in tune with themselves sexually to allow themselves to release watching it. Mm-hmm. So there's this like, what am I doing this for? It's an awkwardness. Mm-hmm. We are definitely more held back here sexually because mm-hmm. we're not talked 
about it in a beautiful way. Right. Again, what we learn in sex ed is not something that it's beautiful and intimate and awesome. Yeah. So those who don't watch it or can't compute it, I've always felt that this is something inside them that makes them feel such horrible guilt mm-hmm. that they can't relax and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are there are exceptions to the rule, right? Like I know uh, a buddy of mine who like hardcore pornography. It's to him, it gives him such a visceral feeling that he does. He loves softcore porn, uh-huh. loves it. But like when it comes to hardcore, like he, you know, he, he doesn't watch it. So I think there are exceptions to the rule. Yeah. But, by, but by and large, I think you hit the nail on the head about just porn and sex in general being taboo us not exploring it enough uh we're trying to like yeah cover the fact up that people get pleasure from sex Mm -hmm. and it's okay to have pleasure from sex instead like you said it's a sex ed class like here are the ovaries Mm-hmm. Here is a testicle. Mm-hmm. All right, kids, have fun. Wear a condom. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> don't get herpes because you'll have it for the rest of your life. I remember right. the teacher yeah. showing this like visual of that, and it just we were so young, and that associated with sex. Mm. And I just remember so many of us were traumatized. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's a possibility. That seems awful. Right. Why mm-hmm. did you have to marry those two conversations together? Yeah. yeah. Couldn't we have eased into <laughs> you know this? Yeah. Is, that really it's scarring, and yeah. there's it's shaming that guilt. in a way too, right? Shaming. I brought him up earlier. If you remember those skin flick movies that like Cinemax used to oh, do, yeah, yeah. you mean Skinemax? Skinemax. <laughs> those were great because they got you a little bit like you know you got you got turned on watching those. The yeah. acting was always so bad, and uh-huh. they, but it, that was part of what made it so great. It was uh-huh. like a bad porno without yeah. the porno. We don't have enough of that TV. We don't have a lot of intimacy on television really anymore. We don't have the same dynamic with couples. I mean, I remember growing up where. Mary Tyler Moore and her husband slept in two separate beds with space in between. That's how old I am, right? And then you flash forward to now, but do we really see that type of intimacy in TV shows and movies as much as we used to? Like, I'll admit, I love this show, Power, Mm. 50 Cent show. Uh Mm. Now there's a spinoff, Power Book 2, for the sex scenes. It has some of the most erotic sex scenes. It's regular TV, but I love the sex scenes in it. Mm. They capture everything. They capture the hands caressing the body, the undress. This is regular TV, so they're not showing penetration. Sure. But I tell my friends, like, you make me a montage of all the sex scenes from Power, that would be my go-to. Real, a lot of kissing, a lot of petting, a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah. It's funny because like, there, there's something about like I remember when I was a kid and first discovering sexuality. I didn't have like we didn't have the internet at home. I mean, it was out, but like I didn't have access to it. And so like the jockey underwear catalog was all of a sudden like the most sexual thing <laughs> right. in our house. Victoria's yeah. Secrets catalog yeah. did it for a lot of people too. My, yeah, my, my mom got Victoria's <laughs> Secrets catalog. Mine and, was blown. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be taking this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and there's something about so that true. that is actually more sensual than mm. hopping on to Pornhub. Mm. Uh, because there's... You talked about reading earlier, reading a romance novel, and, and there's there's room for the imagination. But there's also, to me, like, it's strange, but like regular underwear is way more sexy than a thong to me. Yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. Booty shorts are like... Yeah. I would much rather see Mariah in booty shorts than n- naked. Although I love seeing her naked, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but the booty shorts are like, for me, it's, yeah... Or like stockings and the and the garter belt. Uh-huh. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, right? it's it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's that visual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got some uh, some questions to answer here. Jennifer has a question for us, right? Are people who claim to be minimalists less likely to have serious addictions like porn or drugs, 
or are they just as likely as the average consumer? Is there a science behind that? I don't think there's any scientific studies behind minimalists and addiction, but I'll tell you, I started to simplify my life because I had a bunch of addictions and I knew that those addictions were covering up uh, symptoms that uh, that led to much deeper things in my life that I had to explore. Right. Um, so if anything, my anecdotal, an- anecdotal experience says minimalists are more addicted <laughs> than non-minimalists. I think that could be true. I think we all have our own proclivities. We, we all have things that we struggle with, right? And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know that I, I would I would say that minimalism is an antidote to addiction Mm. Uh, but i do think that addictions are part of what complexes our life so Mm. simplifying versus complexity Mm -hmm. to to complex means to interweave things together right and so we when we simplify we're just trying to we don't want to undo that 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 rope that is weaved together and so i think right now we have a lot of complexity in our world it's more complex than ever especially with the distraction machine mm-hmm. that's in our pocket or purse it's always on it's always there and so we have complexed our life and we get addicted to these to these things and now our addictions are interweaved into our everyday lives yeah. and so we may not realize like the average Gen Zers watching porn for an hour a day, like that's amazing to me. But they that probably seems don't. Seems extreme to you, right? It does. But it's pretty normal to them. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. It, it it doesn't seem like anything to to not, them, not at right? All. Yeah. And so I think when we're simplifying, we're simply looking at some of these things that may or may not be addictions, and saying, "Is this appropriate for my life?" You did that with your stuff, yeah. and you said, "You know what? A lot of these things I thought were going to add value to my life, they weren't appropriate for my life." You can do that with porn. You can do that with jobs you can do that with relationships as well but i think when you live a more minimalistic life you are more aware when there's something that you're doing excessively Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's consuming a squash of your time Mm -hmm. that you kind of moved away from that right you moved away from something that consumed you with no real win at Mm. the end yeah shopping spending money overworking so you had to keep spending money and all of those things so hopefully somebody would be able to streamline down their life and then be able to sense maybe i'm doing this too much whether it's porn alcohol drugs i don't think you could say a minimalist would never have that problem or fall into that trap but i think you might be more open to hear it yeah i think minimalism helps you get to a point where you will analyze and dig deeper with those habits that we have and with those addictions i mean that's certainly what it yeah i mean i've spent more time with people in my life since i took your lessons Mm. than I ever had. Wow. Because I never take a trip now and leave same day. I always, I've traveled my whole life, so I know people everywhere, so I always stay and see somebody for lunch and then maybe see somebody else. I can stay the extra day or two Mm. because I'm not in a rush to go back to work to make more money to buy more stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's it's completely awesome. Yeah, I just, well, you know, if it was just you who got that out of our documentary and our work, that would make it worth it. And the fact that, you know, so many people. Yeah. And, and but hearing that um, it's the one thing in life that it gets better and better every time I hear it. I'm so glad. We're like that. in the corporate world. It was like, got to make more money. Got to get a bigger raise. Got to sell more. And it got to a point where I'd get the bigger raise. Uh, I would get the promotion. I would sell more. But it stopped having there was no joy with no it. No joy until yeah. you bought another car and you added more money under your car payment. And you got a better place. Yeah. You got better clothes. Yeah. That, that was the joy. There was the 
fake joy mm-hmm. that made it okay to have no life, not see your people, not be connected. I mean, when I'm with my people, my phone's away yeah. because mm-hmm. I let my work people know I'm going to see my friends for two days. I'll check my emails within 48 hours, but nothing's urgent. Yeah. I'm not a brain surgeon. So, right. <laughs> you know, and it's great to just put it away and be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, the, the I'm the, just imagining like her being interrupted to be like another another uh, what did you call them thumbnail or uh, uh, another paperclip paperclip right? No, I don't allow clip. those notifications <laughs> to come in on my phone. Those emails only go to my computer. That is not added on my phone. Another paperclip. Another paperclip. We're not answering that. But hopefully, minimizing complications in your life helps you address things that you might be addicted to. Yeah, and I think we all have addictions. By the way, like oh, I yeah, I remember we we had an event in San Francisco uh, with um, Rich Roll. And uh, we were talking about his addictions and how he's, you know, he, he went sober, uh, no drugs, no alcohol. He's vegan now. And I just like put the question out there like, hey, does anyone here, I don't know how many people there are, 800,000 people or something. And I'm like, does anyone here not have an addiction? Like, is anyone, can anyone here raise their hand and say they're addicted to nothing mm-hmm. and not one person raised their hand? So yeah. it, it maybe re- I'm addicted to getting my nails done. Yeah, I'm, I'm addicted to coffee. Girl. Right, I get my hair done. That's I'm a, an addiction. I I'm addicted to it. biting my nails. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, it's we look at addictions as um, I don't know, and and they are bad. Don't get me wrong. So I was gonna say like we look at them as bad things, but we're all addicted to something. Personally, I think you know you've got to pick your addictions wisely, mm-hmm. and it and as long as you're being deliberate with what you're. You know, impulsive habits are. Yeah, I don't. It, I don't know that I agree with this. Uh, yeah, I know. We, we, that's why I brought it up because it's because the word of the the word addiction really means you're doing. You're, there's a habit that you're doing that is negatively affecting your course, life that you're course, continuing course, to do. Right. Getting my nails done is not negative. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, so by definition, you can't select your addictions because you're addicted to it. Ooh. It selected you. So maybe well, we're all compulsive. Compulsive that, would be, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, there's a lot weird. of sex addicts in the business, okay, mm. and especially male performers. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing that I'm I'm talking to a lot of my friends that are still in the business. I've kept great communications, everybody. But how will you replace this energy when you're no longer shooting scenes? It's mm. about letting them address. I am a sex addict, and that's why I do this six, seven days a week wow. because I need to be having this much sex and. Quarantine was an interesting time because they weren't shooting. Mm. Most of the men in the business are single. Mm-hmm. So mm. they didn't have a girl to come over. They didn't want to take that chance. And now they're just like masturbating until they can't masturbate anymore. And mm. I'm and I'm like, this is a good time for us to dive into this. Like yeah. you're yeah. forced to not seek out that validation. What is it about you? And and so addiction in their situation, they've found a way to work with it, and that's just as bad. It's like a bartender being an alcoholic. Yeah. You've put yourself in the environment where you can have it all the time. It's not healthy. Yeah. Right. So I think what we're reassessing in a time like this is the things we've been doing for a long time and maybe even seemed like they were working or maybe they even were working for a period of time, right? But when you keep doing the same thing and it stops working, then we need to be able to question and, and even walk away from it. So you, you may have you know, been in a relationship that worked for a period of time or you may have you know, went to college, but you don't keep going to college in perpetuity, right? You graduate from that. And sometimes it might make sense to graduate from an experience because you're getting addicted to it. Mm-hmm. We got a question here from Diana. With youth having unprecedented access to porn over the past 20 years, I'm wondering what the impact has been on these now young adults. Will they experience trauma similar to someone who has experienced sexual abuse? Let's talk about porn. We, we talked about porn of yesteryear. 
we know about porn of today and it's you know it it's unlimited and everything that you could want to possibly search for you can make up or a not kink. know that you wanted to ever happen yeah yeah, yeah. You, but you could even make up something you've never even seen and i bet you you can find something uh some sort of video to, that that captures that that fake kink what does porn of the future look like well to answer this quickly and touch on that mm-hmm. i do think it's not the same as, as 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 a person who's gone through sexual abuse but look at tim's email from the beginning uh-huh. um he felt that something was taken from him yeah. he felt that he had a tougher time with his own sexual exploration i think the statistic that the gen xers are having less sex than any generation before them is the proof that porn and the accessibility to porn is having an impact yeah. on a generation so are we worried about the population? Because some people say, oh, well, there's less teen pregnancy. The population is going to go down. No, we're worried about intimacy mm. because intimacy brings kindness, brings empathy, it brings love, which brings better things, right? Yeah. So I do think we're going to see more and more numbers of these types of people growing apart and not having that intimacy, which is where we're scarred. Mm. Porn of the future, that's going to be an interesting uh thing because what happens is there's men or women that work in an office that delegate the script writing the scenarios Mm -hmm. and what is needed now i personally believe those people should be whitewashed out every two years and new fresh minds should come in because Mm -hmm. when i've seen people sit there for 10 15 years what happens is they bring things to us that even we are not ready for. Like, oh. so what it shows me is they're completely burned out from everything they've already produced mm-hmm. and they need to keep pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope. And right. the performers are going like, I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't something that it turns me on. This isn't something I want to promote. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of women will tell you there's scenes that was asked to do that I didn't want to do because I don't think it should be out there. Yeah. You know, whether it's rape style scenes, whether it's incestual, you know, insinuated incestual scenes. What yeah. is up with that, by the way? Why that is, that is those so people I'm now? telling you that need to leave those offices and stop writing scripts really? that are just just churning out this stuff that I would say, like, you need new writers, you need uh... new people. And I always also, you know, I've gotten to travel to different places to go into these writers room. And I'm like, first of all, most of these writers aren't having any sex Mm -hmm. so they're the wrong people to be writing and they're the ones that have been doing it for too long or just like nothing works for them anymore Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so then they're like well let's bring the stepmom in and the neighbor and and the girl that looks like she's definitely not 18 yet let's Mm -hmm. put her in pigtails and high socks so we could push that and Uh, you read through these details you're like that's it's those people creating the content those are the creators that bring the ideas that then say we're going to do this this is the role you're playing Mm. that's why the only fan thing really popped off the way it did was because more women said i've been in this long enough where i've been asked to do way too many things that i'm not comfortable with so i'll just shoot my own content yeah right so nobody these a lot of these women are stepmoms they don't want to play a stepmom in a movie. Right. They don't want to yeah. do that incestual thing that bothers them, that worry makes them worry about society. Yeah. Why are we promoting something that it, we should not be promoting? That's those people. And I think I'm worried about the porn in the future because we, we don't bring in fresh minds yeah. or young people. What do you want to see? Uh-huh. Mm. Why are these all older men that have seen everything? Why don't we bring in some 18-year-olds and say, if you could direct a porno, what would you write? Uh-huh. How would it go down? Where would they meet? What would the scenario be like? You know, Yeah. I'd be intrigued to know what their details would be. Yeah, it's almost... Yeah, I see what you're saying about the fear of, of porn in the future because with all the incestual stuff out there, it's like 
the bar just keeps getting raised. And now there's video games that they're starting to build and launch where oh, wow. a kid will be able to go on and be like, I want this girl. I want her to do anal with that guy. I mm. want her to have a big butt so I can make her butt bigger. Mm. You know, and they can make this girl and then this virtual girl can do whatever they want. They're never going to leave the room. Mm. Right. And I think yeah. I think that's the, the, the problem when we, you know, I think it could bifurcate a few ways here. When you go to virtual reality sort of porn, um, it's one step away from having you know, the sex android in your house, right? There's, and it, the problem with that is it apes the form of intimacy. Mm. It makes you feel in the moment as though it's a replacement or a, a supplement for intimacy. Nothing wrong with supplements, but when your entire diet is a supplement, mm-hmm. you actually don't get all the, the nutrients Needed. you need, right? Yeah. It's not natural, literally. And, and so while we can supplement with pornography, uh, when, it, when it takes place of the intimacy, and by the way, it gets better and better as technology improves, I see that as a potential problem. Where mm-hmm. I see a potential upside is us being able to have conversations like this with someone like Lisa Ann who can talk about the, the, the good and the bad, the nuance within it, and also talk about intimacy. Mm. Because you, know, you may know Lisa Ann from porn films that she's shot, but you, you may not know her feelings about intimacy. And so mm-hmm. being able to have conversations about this and say, well, ultimately, sex has to do with intimacy more than it has to do with mere pleasure. Mm. Yeah, We have a question here from Heather. Can appropriate porn viewing help rekindle a waning sex life? I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. I mean, if you have a waning sex life, it, it, I guess the question is, can it? Yeah, sure. But like, why is it waning? Right. That's mm. the way, exactly what I was going to say. Why is it waning? Because you, w- you, you wouldn't want it to start replacing that. Now that's going to become the only trigger you have right. to get it going amongst each other. Right. So you need to figure out what is it? What is it? Am I not attracted to you anymore? Has your body changed? Has your look changed? Or, you, you know, is one of you not taking care of yourself? There's all these different reasons. Mm-hmm. You would need to dive into that. I'm not saying I'm against it. Right. Think it can be good but it can't be the only trigger you now have to rely on. Yeah. Probably isn't the first option. Not the first option. Yeah, you don't yeah, you don't want to look at it as like this quick fix, which unfortunately I think it should you, be an additive. Yeah. Like you already yeah. have good sex, but it's a weekend you're in Vegas, you're going to rent that weird 12-hour loop, which is always so amazing cuz it's always like foreign porn, people I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So I can watch it and be like, oh, I know her. Or oh, I know him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just watch the loop with some music on. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is fun. It's Vegas. That's great. Uh, we move on to Alex's question here? Yeah, we got a question from Alex. All right. I am healing from trauma I've carried for a long time. I can't recall the details of the events that caused it, but remnants of them occasionally resurface. Most of them seem to have originated around the time when my mom left to work abroad and my parents subsequently separated. Since then, I was raped, failed school, became isolated, and got addicted to video games and porn. Today, I'm still struggling with addictions and the residue of those days. How do I deal with trauma from events I've subconsciously suppressed and will that in turn break my addictions? Man, there's a lot there. Yeah. So Alex has mm. uh, some trauma. Yeah, yeah. In her mm-hmm. past, and reliving was, that trauma is difficult but important. And there's mm-hmm. also there's therapist, uh, hypnotherapist. You you actually want to take your 
itself back to that scenario mm. and kind of review it. Mm-hmm. So it stops coming to you in clips and pieces. Yeah. And it's dark. Um, but when people are able to take that journey and find that place and, and witness it, there's less confusion. The confusion usually lies in, did I deserve it? Did I do anything mm. to ask for it? Mm. They need to separate themselves by, I was not consciously putting myself in this situation with any ounce of will. And then forgive that situation. You have to forgive those situations as painful as it is Mm -hmm. because the second you're able to witness it, relive it, address it, talk with counsel about it, then you're able to say, this is not going to define me. This is a situation that happened in my life. I understand it. It wasn't awesome, but I forgive it Mm -hmm. and I can move on from it and I can be better and I can, you don't want to let it ruin you, right? Right. Those things, I saw it a lot. I would say probably... At least 90% of the talent in the industry has had some sort of sexual trauma. Mm. Something that's made them devalue sex. Uh. It's just that simple. You know, you have something that happened to you when you're younger. I experienced something when I was younger. And it's just common sense. Later on, you realize, oh, well, that makes perfect sense of why I could have had sex on camera. Mm -hmm. Because sex being taken from you and it not being your choice as some of your first experiences Mm -hmm. really makes you devalue the actual act of it yeah. until you come to terms with it, until you get it right, until you meet that person. Then it's a totally different, it's a totally different rainbow you get to go over. Yeah. But for this question, there's work that needs to be done yeah. and you can't bury it. Yeah. And working on it, it's powerful, it's empowering. You know, the trauma of being raped, um, there's, a, there's a scenario that needs some definitely work towards and some forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then falling down the rabbit hole of communicating with strangers via video games feels like a safe place because there can be communication with no contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, People get very scared of contact. Right. So mm. they start chatting on the internet with strangers in different countries or mm-hmm. video games where they can chat. And then porn is probably that last step to have some release or someone is having sex, but you don't have to be a part of it in the same room. Mm. Those are all the layers that need to be unveiled, which takes, you know, you got to go through therapy. You got to go through those years. You got to listen to other people's stories. Group therapy is amazing to sit in a room and hear 30 other people discuss their trauma. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel not alone. Mm-hmm. Makes you realize you're not defective. You're not yeah. defective. And I think quite often when one of these traumas happens to us, especially when we're young, we feel as though not only is it our fault, but um, it makes me, everyone else is, is a whole person, but there's some part of me that's sure, missing. broken. Yeah. yeah. So then there's a part that always feels broken. There's a part that you identify with broken because you feel maybe you are a part to blame. Blame has to be removed. Yeah. Forgiveness has to be, when people do horrible things to you, you have to forgive them in order to move on. Yeah, 100%. It's not easy, yeah. but you do, because yeah. it helps you let it go. It's interesting how you talk about there being layers with trauma. I just recently learned this within the last year that when I look at all my past trauma, it was like, well, this happened and now I have trauma because of it. And and then that happened and now I have trauma because of it. But once I started looking at it in layers, it actually helped me form a, a better narrative of why those traumas took place. So instead of being separate things, it's like this onion where each thing yeah. that has happened to me and it makes more sense and it actually makes me feel better about the way things transpired instead of thinking like, oh, I had these random bad things happen to me. It's like, no, they're actually kind of connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally agree. Like Alex has got to do the work. Yeah. And, and do the work. M- maybe with a, a, you know, with a, with a hypnotherapist to, to really get, you know, clear on the details of what happened because that's, 
I agree with you. To me, it feels like the only way for them to start to move forward is remember what happened. And then once you can remember what happened, then you can start to do more work to get through it. Um, Because otherwise that trauma comes in sexual interaction, especially for someone that's been raped. Yeah. Um, From speaking with women who have been raped and understanding their theory and their thoughts, each time they try to get intimate with someone, somewhere during that intimacy does something flash into their mind, Mm, right? Yeah. So that's something that's very difficult to, come to get past right and to meet someone explain this to them now you feel broken Mm -hmm. because now you've told them something happened to you right so there's all these different it it takes work yeah but there but whoever has been through something you're not alone yeah um you're not broken right you know normal is just a setting on the dryer (laughs) that's all it is none of us can compare (laughs) and some of the greatest people we've met i met dr ruth who has been through incredible things and losing her parents to the war having to go back and fight for germany Mm. in the war all these living in an orphanage and you meet someone that has been through so many things and such a beautiful soul we all will be that person by the experiences good bad and ugly yeah that's right you you talked about forgiving in order to let go and i think the letting go piece you know we talk about letting go with respect to stuff quite a bit but letting go goes way beyond that as the buddhists say attachment is suffering And, and so i think quite often we suffer from trauma that we've experienced in the past is because we we haven't found a way to let go of it yet and sometimes that requires the work of a of a professional um, but realizing that like there is a way to move forward without carrying that yes. forward because it's some heavy baggage but we can figure out the tactics in order to set it down so we can move forward and you yeah. can figure out the triggers that make you feel angry so you can have that talk with yourself about how to find peace with it again because mm-hmm. it's going to resurface at different moments in your life where you're angry at it again why did this happen to me and not somebody else why am i carrying this and not somebody else you just mm. got to be able to coach yourself and it's not easy no it's not and, uh, and these addictions alex like this is you covering up all those negative feelings and isolating yourself. It's very isolating. Mm -hmm. All of that is very isolating and, and and video games and porn allow you to stay isolated. Yeah. The, the, the trauma thing is fascinating because it's one of those areas where asking why isn't really helpful. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And in, in other areas it can be really helpful, you know, of life is, why am I getting so many emails? Well, maybe I should have put in my email address on you know the website or whatever, right? <laughs> right. Like I, I need I need to, to be able to say why so I can fix that. But with the trauma, there often is not a there's not an explanation. You know, if you were raped as a child, there's no good why. There's no. none. You can't blame. You can't. Be, no. You, there's no why. It's only the what, and you you can deal with the what, mm. and and you don't want to remove the experience from your life necessary, but the attachment that, that, that are, that's associated with the experience. Cause it's anger. Yeah. Uh, and it makes you disappointed that that happened to you and maybe not your neighbor that lived next door. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you you start looking at everyone. Why didn't this happen to them? And there's anger yeah. and that anger has to be let go. And the only way to let go of that anger is to forgive and move on from the situation. It's always going to mm. be there. Yeah. yeah. But to let it own you is what you do when you still carry it. Yeah. Mm. Lisa Ann, I want to acknowledge you and thank yes. you for being here today. This was awesome. So, so awesome so to meet you. Yeah. Now, tell you a fun fact. Okay. Yes. You know, New York is kind of quiet right now, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And everyone's leaving. And, you know, the New York is dead article, you know. But yeah. for someone yeah. like myself, who is now not afraid to move because I'm such a minimalist, <laughs> I started looking around all these brand new buildings that opened. They're offering a couple yeah. months free rent and oh, all wow. of this because they're trying to fill the units. And I'm like, 
yeah, I've only been in my place a year, but like, I'm not going to stay because it's too hard to pack up and move. And so I can thank you again a year later and say, now I'm upgrading my living space to a place where I'm going to have a patio and I'm going to be higher up. And everyone I know is like, you want to move again? You just moved. (laughs) When you were a minimalist, you are not afraid to move. Oh. Amen. Yeah. Because you know, and I even feel like I might get rid of more stuff with <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Because there's been a couple things on a shelf I don't think I've touched for the year. And I'm like, well, if I didn't touch any of that, yeah. I don't take it. We have uh, something called the 90 90 rule. If you uh, haven't used in the last 90 days and you're not going to use it in the next 90, go ahead and let it go. Yeah. Uh, Bex and I do this with our sex toy box. So we're like the only <laughs> minimalist couple that has a box full of sex toys um but even the 90 90 rule apl- applies to that we're like hey haven't used this in the last night i guess we should use we're it. we're getting rid of this french yeah. tickler we should use it yeah we- do not throw it away you should yeah. use it yeah and that's the thing i guess we should use it or you know what we tried this one no good didn't love it was the yeah. bluetooth wasn't strong the app didn't work well you know so i just donate them all yeah. to podcast sean i'm not sure what he's doing with them but uh <laughs> i love this story about the girl who tried to get you to use the used cock ring oh <laughs> I'm a recycler, but not when it comes to those items. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she asked me, and I, I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I'm like, "Wait, wait a minute." minute. Wait, <laughs> wait, did she you... put it out there that someone used it before you? Well, I I had to ask because like, it wasn't hermetically yeah. sealed in some right. sort of packaging. It was just like I'm like, is that a stain on that? <laughs> I'm good. I mean, I'll do it, but like, I guess I need to buy one first. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, and so. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> but I, I will say that like these these little rules they they do help, especially when when it comes time because when you're moving, that is the time you're really confronted with all your stuff. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to wait until you move you to don't. actually confront the stuff. We, yeah, Bex and I do it all the time, and the ninety ninety rules is a great way to do it. There's a bunch of other rules in our, our minimalist rule book for folks who want to check it out. But um, what I've realized is like if you continue to confront it before it comes into the house or while it's in your house and when it comes time to move it's like so easy i'm not even afraid no not at all yeah for years of my life i would have been really afraid to move Mm. i've been the same home for 15 years one spot 15 years the other stuff builds up yeah you buy less you now look at the store they store things at the stores what i tell myself like Mm. i'll buy new toothpaste when i need it instead of having a backup always right yeah the store will store it for me and when i need it it'll be there that is so good yeah that's awesome yeah every time mariah and i move it's like we can get moved like we just literally moved uh about a year ago uh about a block away we had everything moved and unpacked all in the same day. Yeah, because you don't have much stuff. Yeah, and it was brilliant. And the movers were so grateful. They were like, well, it's funny because I caught them and they're like, how long do you think? I'm like, I don't know, two hours, maybe three hours. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because most then- people don't realize how much stuff they have until they move, honestly. Yeah. They don't realize yeah, it. And true. they're like, we thought we'd have 20 boxes. Oh, you have 80 boxes? You uh, know, that's probably common. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. what is it, 52,000 uh, storage facilities. Not individual lockers, but just the storage facilities. Oh, wow. That's still a growing industry, it's, right? Which blows my mind. Mm. There are more that storage. That is still a growing industry. It, it is more of those than there are Starbucks. And we there are Starbucks in every corner. So, like, imagine how many storage locker places but there are. But if it are. wasn't yeah. for them, there wouldn't be storage wars, which is such a great show, <laughs> right? For all the people who don't pay for their storage and realize yeah. I haven't touched 
use that stuff in 10 years. Just right. take it. And there's like old trading cards, baseball cards yeah. that are worth like a ton of money. And uh-huh. you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't that interesting? Like you could be a minimalist, but you can still like see those experiences and still get something out of those experiences. Because yeah, I really enjoy watching Storage Wars yeah. or like I'll watch Hoarders. Like actually that's just like motivation for me to like throw out more stuff. That show actually traumatizes me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too a little bit. But even like the um when like I would never own a huge mansion. I mean, maybe I would want I don't want to say never, but like you know, that I don't see that in my future. Owning a huge house with, with just me and Mariah, maybe if we had twenty so kids or something. Work. But I love watching the shows where they're like buying these huge mansions. It's like I don't have to own one to appreciate it. Sure. I can, yeah. Yeah. I know what I, I can see what it must be like to have 12 bathrooms right. I don't want to clean 12 toilets oh. right oh my yeah. goodness like, yeah. it, it seems like such an inconvenience like even when I see like a beautiful home like Kanye West's home which is I mean people always will email us can you guys address this people are calling a Kanye West house a minimalist house I'm like well it is actually it's probably the most intentional house I've ever right. seen it's, yeah. it's also really expensive you're conflating being extra frugal or cheap with being a minimalist that's that's not what minimalism is yeah. about it's right. about the intentional use of the resources you have and if you have virtually unlimited resources, at least be intentional with. Them. I mean, I applaud them. I yeah, mean, it's, sure. It's not a house that I could afford or even dream of having, but like I think it's a, a work of ours. It's a it's a beautiful thing. Clean lines, no yeah. stress, no clutter, no yeah. stuff. Makes right. it easier to clean. It makes it easier to come and go. It just makes it easier to live. It's calming mm. too. It is yeah. so much more calm. So much more calm. <laughs> Lisa Ann, where should we send folks? You got a book called The Life. You you are on Sirius XM. Uh, yeah. You, you do uh, sports talk radio, uh, the real Lisa Ann on YouTube. Where where, where should we tell folks to, to check you out? Uh, the real Lisa Ann on Twitter and Instagram as well. Also my podcast, the Lisa Ann Experience, which I'm having a ton of fun with. And yeah. you can find everything I do on my Twitter and my Instagram, so you'll be able to stay up. Awesome. I'll put links to all of that in Appreciate the show it. notes. Really grateful you decided to join us today. This yeah. is so awesome. Thank you. So Thank happy you so to get to meet you guys in person. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you next time. See you, patrons. The minimalists. <laughs>